Hey, today, uh, I'm going to give you a kind of a Christmas message, but it's not very funny. It's not funny, and I like to be funny. I like to make people laugh. And I thought, since it's not very funny, I'd go ahead and tell you a joke, okay? Um, so I want to tell you about the time Boudreaux bought Thibodeau a parrot for Christmas. So it's a couple of years ago, Boudreaux got Thibodeau a, a parrot and, uh, for Christmas. A couple of weeks later, he calls Thibodeau. He says, hey, man, how'd that, how'd that parrot? That parrot okay? He said, man, that parrot was delicious. It was delicious. <laughs> and Boudreaux goes, you ate the parrot? You're not supposed to eat the parrot? That parrot speaks three languages. And Thibodeau said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, should have said something. Yeah, so <laughs> I love it. I love me some Boudreaux jokes. I really do. So uh, I love giving gifts. I'm a, I'm a terrible gift giver. I like to give people their gifts before it's time, but I love to give gifts. And I think one of the best gifts that we've ever received in the world is the Son of God, right? The birth of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Just that Jesus came to the earth. And Normally in a Christmas message, we talk about the nativity, we talk about the, we talk about the wise men, the shepherd, the star, we talk about the angels singing in the heavenly host, we talk about, we talk about the, uh, the, the, all of the different things that surround that, the logistics and the technical things, but today I want to look at it a little bit differently. I want to look at it from the four faces of Christmas, something that, I've, that the Lord gave me this week as I prepared for the message. I, I just feel like... I don't want to focus on the things we normally focus on. I want to look at four faces of Christmas that we see through the Christmas story. And if you don't know the Christmas story, I want to start there, okay? Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper today. And if you don't know the story, it happens in Matthew and it also happens in Luke. Those are the Gospels. And so I want to read to you the story from Luke. This is just a little bit of the story. It says that at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when this guy was the governor of Syria. <laughs> Not sure how to pronounce it. All returned to their own ancestral towns to, to be registered for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, this is important to know, he was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home, and he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and she was also expecting a child. Now, in, in t today you might think, well, they were shacking. They, they were shacking before they got married. That's why she was expecting. Not so. If you don't know the story, the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary. She conceives a child. It's a supernatural birth. She never knew her husband intimately. Okay, and so this is a, it's a miracle baby. And so while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Remember that phrase, firstborn. And she wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Now the manger was not this, it wasn't this um, wooden looking frame that had some hay inside of it. It was, it was where the, the cattle ate from. Like it was the feed trough. That was a manger. Okay, well, it wasn't this nice little built thing that had some hay in it. It was, it was where all the livestock ate the food from. Okay? And so she lays him in the manger because there's no room in the inn. There's no lodging. And so that's kind of the, the basic. I, there's a whole lot more to the story, and we're not going to go into all of that today. But there's a couple thoughts through here that I want to show you today that kind of remind me of 
the four faces of Christmas. And, and every face is Jesus, by the way. Let me say it this way. Everything about the Bible leads us to Jesus. Every book of the Bible leads us to Jesus. Every prophecy of the Bible leads us to Jesus. Everything says Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So I want to I wanna take a look today at, at four of these faces. The first face is the face of Jesus as a man. If you're taking notes, just jot that down. The face of Jesus as a man. That's the first face of Christmas. Now, now in Luke's gospel, he writes this gospel to describe Jesus as the face of humanity. He was fully man. Let me say it this way. I think we, we, we take for granted that Jesus was a man. A lot of times we think of, oh, he's the savior. He, he's good. He was, he was this you know, awesome guy, but we forget that he was a man. He was 100% man, by the way. And so we, we think it's just a familiar story in our Western culture. Like we're just eating a chicken leg. Like, oh, you hear about the Jesus, the savior of the world, <laughs> eating your chicken? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I heard about the Christmas story. You go to another country and they're like, what, God became man? Your, your God came to the earth? I don't understand that. Because it, it's hard for people to believe that their God would become a human being. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He became a man. In fact, he came into the world just like the rest of us. He came, now some of you are thinking, well, I had a C-section. Okay, don't, don't make it technical. Don't, okay. Don't spoil it. He came naturally. That's what I'm trying to say. He came through the birth canal, everybody. What does that mean? He had a right to be here. So God didn't just transpose him or trans, God didn't like beam him down from the Star Trek Enterprise. He came just like all the rest of us through the natural means of birth. And, and because he was fully man, he experienced everything that we experienced. He dealt with all the emotions that we deal with. The Bible says Jesus wept over his friend's death. The Bible says that he was abandoned, that he was, he was, uh, he was laughed at, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was betrayed, he was falsely accused, he was rejected and humiliated, that he was abused on the cross. Even on the cross, he said, my father, why have you forsaken me? Some of you felt that abandonment by your father. Jesus has been there. So why did Jesus become a man? Why did he have to become a man? It wasn't so that he could relate to us. It's not like he was up in heaven going, you know what? I really feel like there's a distance between us and, and, the, and the workers down there. Jesus, why don't you go be kind of undercover boss, you know, for all, the, for all the people. I love the show, but it's not what he did. He didn't come so he could relate to us. He didn't come even just to redeem us. I believe that Jesus came, that, that one of the things, as Jesus as the, as the face of man all right? One of the things he came to offer us is friendship. Friendship. That Jesus came to be a friend. To be a friend of sinners. That's exactly what people said about him. Oh man, he's hanging out with sinners. He's sinner. He's hang hanging out with people that, that, that others wouldn't hang out with. Jesus came to offer friendship. He didn't come to understand us. He came so that we could understand him. He came so that we could have a relationship with him. He came so that we could have a life-giving, purposeful relationship with him, that we could know him. He came so that we could sing songs like, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what sins and griefs to bear. 
Oh, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He came so we can have a friendship. He came in John chapter in John chapter 15 because he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Who did that for us? Jesus. In, in verse 15, he, he calls us friends. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's up to. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. In other words, friends don't have secrets. And I've told you everything. And I've lived an open life before you. And you are not just a servant. You are a friend. I love that. I, I love what it says in Hebrews. That this high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weakness. That's what a friend does. A friend gets down in the muck and the mire with you, and he understands where you've been. He understands what you've dealt with. He faced all of the same testings that we do, but he didn't sin. I love what Paul says about him in 2 Corinthians, that at one time we thought of Christ as just a man. We thought of him from a human point of view, and can I tell you that's the way the world thinks about Jesus. He was just a good man. I mean, he, he was just a nice guy. He did some really cool things. He was benevolent. I don't, he had some, like, some su superpowers, I guess, and maybe he did some really awesome things, but he was just a man. But don't you know he was so much more than that? Because now we know him, how differently we know him now because he's a friend. How do we know him? I love the second part of this verse. That, that we know him because anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. They're a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. We have a new life in him. So the first face of Christmas is Jesus as a man. Okay? But he wasn't just a man. I mean, he was a man, but not just a man. He was also, we've got to look at it as Jesus, the face of Jesus as God. Like Jesus was man and God. How can that be? How can he be both? How can he be man and God? See, Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. He was the Christ, the Christos. He was the one that they had written about for thousands of years. Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. He's the creator. He was fully man, but at the same time, fully eternal. Everything about him, he's the sustainer of all life. He is the creator of all things. He is the source of eternal life. That's why John, one of his disciples, wrote about him. The, the first words out of, John's, out of John's writing are, in the beginning was the word. The word already existed. What's the word? Jesus. The word here is Jesus. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word... What was God? Like the word was God. So he was human and he was God at the same time. It goes on to say that he existed in the beginning with God. That God created everything through who? Jesus. And, and nothing was created except through who? Jesus. He was there at the beginning. John goes on to say in verse 14, so the word Jesus became human. 
and he lived here among us. He dwelt on the earth. He lived like we lived as a human, but also as God. And if we can't believe that he's not just the son of God, but that he's also God, then we can't trust our eternity to him. He's not just the son of God, but he is God. And I'll show it to you in a moment. But as we look at these, as we look at Jesus being God, the face of Christmas, Jesus is God. I want to think about some prophecies for a moment. You know, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that point to, like, tell us about who the Messiah is going to be. Hundreds of them. Jesus, at the very least, fulfilled 324 prophecies. Okay? So there's a mathematician, his name's Peter Stoner, and he decided that he wanted to calculate what it would take. What are the odds that one person could fulfill just eight of these prophecies? One person, just fulfill eight. Just eight, that's all. Just eight. And so he calculated that it would take, the odds were one in 100 quadrillion. Anybody know what that number is? That's one with 17 zeros behind it. That's the chances of one man just fulfilling eight. By the way, he also calculated that for one man to fulfill 48 prophecies would be one with 57 zeros behind it. Not even sure what that number is, right? So he, he says in the odds of one man fulfilling eight prophecies would be like filling the state of Texas with silver dollars two feet high. Okay? Then you take one of those silver dollars, you mark it, you toss it out in the middle, you stir them all up, and then you blindfold a guy. And you say you have one shot to pick the right, the right silver dollar. So... What are you thinking right now? It's impossible. There's no way. Pastor Ben, this is impossible. You can't do that, Pastor Ben. You're not able to do that. Oh, contraire. Right? You can't. Because Gabriel told the mother of Jesus, he said, with God, nothing will be impossible. Jesus, even Jesus said in Matthew that with man, it's impossible to find that one silver dollar marked among the 100 quadrillion. You can't do that if you're a man, but with God, everything is possible. You can do it through Jesus Christ. It's possible through Jesus. And I I love, I love this thought. Why did Jesus become, why is he God? Why do we need to see him as God? Because Jesus as God offers faith to us. You see, God is the God of the impossible. God's the God of the breakthrough. God's the God of the more than enough. God is the God of the exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or even think. And it takes faith to believe the impossible. It takes faith to believe that God can do something bigger than we, bigger than we can. It takes faith to believe that. And, and I love this. It takes, faith, it takes faith to believe that Jesus was the son of God. It takes faith to believe the messianic prophecies in Isaiah where Isaiah said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. It takes faith to believe that there's a virgin that will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It takes faith to believe. And isn't this exactly what happened? This was written 700 years before Jesus was ever born. Man can't orchestrate that. Only God can do that. Again, in chapter 9... Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, Jesus. The face of Christmas is Jesus as God. He's a, he was man. He is God. Romans 10, this is New Testament. Paul says it this way. He says that if you want to go to heaven, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, if you want eternal life with him, that you've got to call him God. You've got to say with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. He's the master. He is Yahweh. He is my savior. He is my God. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. So I love this. Jesus it's the face of Jesus as a man, the face of Jesus as God. But number three, it's the face of Jesus as king, as king. And I know this is one of those that I think we're all kind of like, yeah, he, yeah, he's the king. Yeah, come on. He, absolutely, king of kings, lord of lords, right? Uh, we even have a shirt on our, on our online merch store. It says Jesus is king. Got this cool font. It's awesome. We wear it loud and proud, right? It's, it's, it's nice. And, and when I was a kid... Um, we, we used to do Easter plays at church. Didn't y'all do Easter plays? We did Easter plays. And um, now I'm from East Tennessee, so there's a little bit of a southern draw from, with people from East Tennessee. So we, uh, my brother and I would always crack up at this one scene where Pilate, the, the governor, he, he uh, sentences Jesus to death, Right? Well, in this conversation, in the Bible, and also in the, in the Easter play, Pilate would ask, are you the king? Like that. And my brother and I, would, we would just laugh. We just thought it was the funniest thing. Are you the king? Like, like, like Elvis Presley? Or like, what, what do you mean? Are you the king? So, I, I just love, Jesus was the king. Now, this is about to get deep, okay? I need y'all to all ears on. Are you with me? Okay. We look at Jesus as the spiritual king a lot of times. Like, he, yeah, he's the king of my heart. We sing songs, let the king of my heart. Da, da, da. We sing songs like that. Jesus, he's king. Get tattoos, king, Jesus. But at the moment of his birth, I need you to know that he was the legitimate king of Israel. And I'm going to show it to you. Um, that, that's why when Pilate nailed the sign on Jesus' cross when he was being crucified, the sign read what? king of the Jews. And, and the claim was a legitimate claim. Let me show it to you in scripture. Um, Jesus was the king by his lineage. So Luke gives the genealogy of Mary, but Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus. Why is that important? It gives the genealogy of Joseph, rather, Joseph. Why is that important? Well, it's because the bloodline of Joseph has the, uh, the, the genealogy of Joseph has the royal bloodline from Abraham to David and down to the stepfather of Jesus, Joseph. So when David was the king of Israel, God made a promise to David. He said, your throne will last how long? Forever. Your throne's going to last forever. For all of eternity, you're going to have someone sitting on your throne. Hundreds of years later, however, there were two wicked kings, father and son. There was Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim, all right? And they were the, some of the wickedest kings ever. And God, through the prophet Jeremiah, said, that's it. I'm done. We're ending your dynasty, and you will no longer have someone sitting on the throne. Wait a second. How's this going to happen? You promised David that you, he would have... a someone sitting on the throne forever, and then you just cursed Jehoiakim and said, 
It's no more. How's this going to happen? It, all right, follow me. Stay with me for a second. So, so Jeremiah curses that bloodline of David through Jehoiakim. We have a problem. Here's Joseph, the, the stepfather of Jesus, who is not the king of Israel. No one in his family has been the king of Israel since Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim. We have a problem. What's, how, how, is, how is Jesus then the rightful heir to the throne? Well, it's because Jesus was not of the bloodline of Joseph. Go with me here. This is not a theory. It's Bible. Go with me. Think about this for a moment. So Joseph, Jesus is Joseph's legal heir to the throne. If, if, if Jesus had been a biological son of Joseph, he would not have been allowed to be the king. So what God had to do was God had to connect, God had to connect Jesus biologically to the tribe of David, to the heritage of David, but legally through the heritage of his stepfather, Joseph. So he was literally the king of the Jews. When he was born, he was the king of Israel, and Herod had a right to be afraid. Why, you ever thought about why would Herod kill all of these innocent babies? Because Jesus was the king the rightful king, and Herod was afraid. Come on, somebody. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Jesus was the king. So what is the king, what did he do? As he, when he came as a king, what did Jesus come to do? When Jesus came as a king, he came to offer us freedom. Because in a kingdom, the, 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 king, the king, he didn't come to tell us we, how evil we were, how bad we were, how wrong we were, how we need, to put, we need to get our lives right. He didn't do that. He came to establish a kingdom where we could have security and safety and hope and peace and freedom. He came to establish a kingdom that will last forever. And that freedom can last forever. I love what, I love what Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus. This is the first day of Jesus' public ministry. This is when he goes public with his, with his ministry. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Now this is from Isaiah. This is another messianic prophecy. And, and, and he was handed the scroll. One of the guys in the, in, in the synagogue handed Jesus a scroll from Isaiah and said, read something. Jesus turned to this page or the, found it on the scroll and he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What is this word anointed? Well, it's something that they would do for three types of people. They would pour oil over the head of three types of people. Anybody want to guess? Prophet, priest, and king. By the way, Jesus is the only one who's all three of those. He is the prophet, he is the priest, he is the king. And so he was anointed. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to take this place of prophet, priest, and king. And he says in the next verse that he has sent me to proclaim. Who gets to proclaim things? Kings. Kings get to proclaim. And he says he sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Come on, let's give God thanks for the proclamation of Jesus as the king in our lives. He says in John 8, 36, that if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Who's the son? Jesus, son of David, son David's throne, rightful king. If he sets you free, you will be free 
indeed. That's the freedom that the world can't offer. It's a freedom that the world can't give you. They're looking for it, but it can only be found inside the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. So we look at, at Christmas as the, there's the face of man, there's the face of God. We're looking at Jesus now as the face of, of a king. It's Christmas. But the fourth face of Christmas I want to give you is Jesus as the face of a lamb. A lamb. But not just any lamb, he's an innocent lamb. Not just any lamb, the firstborn lamb. So in the Old Testament, in, in the, before the book of Matthew, in your Bible, even, even then they did this practice. What they would do is they would, uh, anytime there was a firstborn sheep, they would, they would set that sheep aside for sacrificial purposes. Every firstborn sheep, goat, all of the firstborn were set aside for sacrifice. Now those sheep, they had to be perfect. They couldn't have any spot, any blemish. They couldn't have anything wrong with them, no broken bones. But they had to be set aside from the moment of their birth to be a sacrifice. And on the Passover every year, it was, it was a law that they were to take a one-year-old sheep who had neither spot or blemish, no defect, and they were to sacrifice that sheep to cover their sins. At the moment of Jesus' birth, he was the sacrificial lamb. He was the sacrificial lamb, and he was set apart from the moment of his birth. He was set apart to be the sacrificial lamb that would cover your sins and my sins from now until eternity. Let me show it to you. I love this. I, I, I don't know if this, this message really excites me. <laughs> I think just seeing the Christmas story from a different perspective is so good. That's why John, his cousin, the next day, this is in John chapter 129, says that John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, hey, look, there's my cousin. Hey, everybody. Give it up for Jesus. Man, he's awesome. Give it up for Jesus. No. He says, look at the Lamb of God. But he didn't stop there. He said, it's the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. John was pointing towards Jesus' destiny. John knew that there's a time coming where Jesus, who's been set aside from the, from the moment of his birth, he's been set aside as the firstborn. Remember we read in Luke 2 where it said that he was Mary's what? firstborn son. Jesus is the firstborn son. He's the firstborn lamb who's been set aside to be the, to be the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. First Corinthians, Paul says he's the Passover lamb. He's been sacrificed. Isaiah 53. I love this passage. It's another messianic prophecy where it says that he was oppressed, talking about the the one to come, talking about Jesus. He was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In First Peter, it says that you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way that, that you lived, but it was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You've been forgiven. And that's what the sacrificial lamb does for us. Jesus, as the lamb, offers forgiveness. He offers forgiveness. And he's extending that to you today. 
He was fully man. He was fully God. He was rightfully the king. And he was an innocent lamb. Aren't you thankful that, that he forgives you? Aren't you thankful that he washes you clean? See, here's the thing about the Old Testament and the new, the new covenant that we now live in. Is in the Old Covenant, the sacrifice would forgive you, but you were still guilty. I mean, you still carried the condemnation. You still carried all the weight, all the sin. You still carried all of the shame. But when Jesus came as the sacrificial lamb, he didn't come just to forgive you. Like, he didn't come to just sweep your sins under the rug. He came to wash you clean, to give you a fresh start, a new beginning. He came to give you new life as the precious Lamb of God. Aren't you thankful for that today? Come on, let's thank God for that. Let's thank Him for His, the blood of Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me and, and uh, let me lead us in a prayer today. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor Ben, I'm in a place where I need Jesus today. Maybe you need him as a friend. Maybe you've had a friend walk out on you lately. Maybe there's a relationship that's in turmoil in your life. and You need a friend. Jesus can be that friend. If you're here and you say, Pastor Ben, I need Jesus. I, I need more faith. Like there's some impossible situations in my life and Jesus came to give me faith. He came to help me believe in the impossible. He came to, if he did that, I need that in my life, Pastor Ben. Maybe you're here today and you're in bondage. There's something that you need freedom from. There's a secret in your life. Nobody else knows about it, but it's, it's the thing that you've, you've tried to stop all, over and over and over again. And you, you make yourself a promise. You make those around you a promise. And I'll, I'll never go back, but it keeps pulling you back. It's something you need freedom from. And if that's you today, I, I just want to pray for you. I won't single you out. But if you say, Pastor Ben, I need, I need Jesus as, as a friend, or I need this faith, or I need freedom, would you just slip up your hand all across, all across the room? That's just me. I want to lift you up. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, I pray for every person, every hand that's lifted. I'm lifting up every, every, every individual that's just saying, I need freedom in an area. I need, I need these faces of Christmas to be real in my life. I need Jesus as man, Jesus as God. I need Jesus as king to just be real in my life, to set me free, to deliver me, to restore relationships, to give me faith to believe for the impossible. God, I pray for every hand, every person that I'm asking that you would work, that you would move that you would restore, that you would reconcile, that you would set free, that you would redeem. Show yourself faithful. Show yourself powerful today. And with your head still bowed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Ben, I need Jesus as the lamb. I need the forgiveness. I need the cleansing. I need, I need to be washed. I need to be made new. I need a fresh start. I'm doing this on my own. Maybe you've been living on your own. Maybe you've drifted from God. Maybe you're distant. You've been calling the shots in your life, but today you're ready to go all in with Jesus. You're ready to go all in with a relationship with Jesus to make him the Lord of your life. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand boldly. Don't be ashamed. God is not ashamed of you. He wants you to do it boldly. One, two, three. Come on, slip your hand up if that's you. One, two, three, four, five. Anybody else say, that's me, Pastor Ben. That's me, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm ready to go all in. I, I want to surrender. I need forgiveness in my life. Anybody up top, say that's me, 9, 10. Anyone else? 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else say, that's me, Pastor? Well, let's say this prayer together. Say, say it with me boldly. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I repent and turn from my ways. I need you as the Lamb of God in my life. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. I surrender. From this day forward, I will follow you. I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's thank him for salvation.